It's the Bomber Brothers Podcast with Ryan and Sean Chichester. Swung on and driven to deep left. For the line, she is gone. Aaron Judge lined one right down the line. Swung on and lined to right center field. It is a base hit. Grounding third, scoring kind of from left off. And the Yankees win the ball game with two in the bottom of the ninth. Hit in the air to left center. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a grand slam. Oh, a Stantonian home run. Talking all things Yankees baseball. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bomber Brothers podcast. Sean and Ryan Chichester back with you. We are, let's just see, five games into uh, the post-All-Star break part of the season. It's been uh, a wild one for the Yankees, I guess you could say. We've got more questions about their ability to beat the Astros should they play in the playoffs. We've got questions about the bullpen after Michael King's injury. We've got questions about John Carlos Stanton as he's doing some, going through some load management right now. Questions about Tyone after he got knocked around again. Um, So we'll be tackling all that right now. Make sure you uh, rate, review, and that you're subscribed for uh, more talks with Sean and I after every Yankee series, but Sean, this was a weird one, I guess you could say. I mean, they they take the series on the road against a much improved Baltimore team, so that's good. But you've also got, I feel like, plenty of questions that you're coming away with. Tyone does not look like he's improving. And in fact, now his control seems to be slipping a little. He walked three batters, and that was his, I mean, that was one of the brightest parts of of his repertoire earlier in the season. Then we've got you know, on the good side, you've got Judge swinging the bat like he was at his hottest points during this season. Now he's on pace to to pass Roger Maris, so you have that excitement. And then you've got Michael King done for the year. That's a, a devastating blow. So just a lot, a lot of up and down this weekend. Yeah, it's one of those one of those games where, or one of those series, excuse me, where even though you come away winning two out of three on the road and against the team that's not a pushover anymore. You want to feel good about it, but it's hard to because, I mean, the game they lost was a, a really tough loss to stomach because you also, and, and, you know, and you have the King injury and, and you can't help but think with the King injury that, you know, he, he shouldn't have even been in that game. And that's just another piece of, of problems that came out of this, this series is that Chapman still looks terrible. And I mean, you know, w- whether it's, it's Tyone only giving you two and two thirds and like you, he's like devolving, he's actually getting worse. Like you were hoping, I was hoping anyway, like what we saw with Nestor where Nestor, his last two starts has looked fantastic. Um, you were hoping Tyone would get back to it, but now he's, he's looking even worse than he was before. Um, and then that same thing can be said about Chapman. Chapman's also not, not doing great. Um, so, you know, definitely a, a lot of concerns and the Michael King move just further um, underscores the need for the Yankees to add some bullpen depth here at, at the trade deadline. And I honestly think with the way the way things are going, Chap, uh, Cashman needs to make a move sooner rather than later, because not only are you losing King, but I'm sorry, you, you cannot rely on a, a this Chapman anymore. He doesn't you don't even need to keep him on the roster if, if this keeps up. I'm not saying drop him right now, but. I mean, you know, uh, if you're going into a postseason series, do you really even want him on the roster at this point? I, I don't. I, and, I honestly don't even think it should be much of a discussion at yeah. this point. Even even if you see Chapman, you know, I, I think it's fair to say there's no expectation that he can 
end this season looking like he did at the beginning of last season when he was on that historic pace of dominance. I, I don't think that's realistic. But if you even said that from now until the end of the season, that Chapman was better, you know, putting up like, you know, a Chad Greenish where he gets a bunch of good shutdown innings, but then at the same time, he also has his periodic meltdown innings. I still don't think even then that you can justify having him pitch an inning of any action in October just because of how terrible he's been. And this is not just this season. This has been since, you know, a lot of people are kind of using last year's uh, substance crackdown by MLB to illustrate how bad Chapman's been since, you know, quote unquote, sticky stuff was banned. But this has been before that since June 1st of last season, Chapman is in the bottom 10 of war ERA FIP walk rate, all of those he's in the bottom 10. And in several of those, I think, I believe it's um, ERA and war. He's in the bottom three or four in the entire league of relievers who have thrown at least 50 innings. So this is before the substance crackdown. So I, I don't think that's a realistic, you know, benchmark to point to. And oh, just as soon as they got rid of Spider Tack, Chapman imploded. No, this has been going on since before that. And he has literally been one of the worst relievers in baseball. And, you know, it, it sucks having to hear Boone after Chapman giving up the home run to Santander talk about, oh, you know, his first eight pitches were strikes. He flashed the 101-mile-an-hour sinker so that we know the stuff is there. Great, the stuff is there, but he also can't locate it. He's also much more human than he than he used to be. I mean, his his average fastball velocity was always in the top three or four since coming to the Yankees, and I believe this season it's something like 20th. So he's just average now in terms of his stuff and then put on a top of that that he can't locate any of it. It's uh, a recipe for disaster. And what happened when he came in on Friday? The absolute biggest disaster you can come up with is where a blowout turns into a close game. So you have to bring in your high leverage guys. And he fractures his elbow on a pitch and you lose a guy in Michael King who was tied with Clay Holmes for the highest war on the team in the bullpen. So he's been just as valuable as Clay Holmes. And now you just lost him for the season. I mean, that's that's a backbreaker. And potentially next year, too. If he needs Tommy John, he's he's going to miss next year, too. And they're not sure yet. They're going to find out when they do the surgery. It's it's horrible. I, I, I'm done with Chapman. I'm I would I would be more worried about getting Loisica built back up at this point, because I think that's at least still still a project you can you can maybe look to to get going. But um, yeah, I, I you know, and, and we have not podcasted since the Houston series. The first game. You know, the, the the bats just weren't getting going and they were lucky to tie the game and they they were unlucky the way they lost the game. It's, you know, it's it's a weird game. Dude, I, I forgot how much I just hate watching Domingo Herman pitch, but I remembered pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'm look, Sears pitched three innings. I know he gave up two runs, but he there was an error and then he gave up a home run. And that was the only base runner he allowed was was the home run. So it really should have been a solo shot. I'd rather have him. Clark Schmidt looked great today. I, Clark Schmidt, like, give me anybody else. Demi Ramon just brings the vibes down, man. I, and and so does Chapman. I'm just, I don't know. I, I feel I feel more down right now just because of some of the guys we've got on this roster. Like, I'm kind of getting tired of looking at you, Faze. Like, I'm I'm in that <laughs> with, with Chapman. I'm tired of looking at Domingo Herman. Tired of looking at Joey Gallo. I know he hit a home run the other night, but um, you know he he looked terrible again today. And um, 
yeah, I, I'm, I'm just kind of getting fed up, but well, you know, I, I I'm really excited for the trade deadline. Cause I do think that they're going to make some moves. They have, they're getting a, a historic season out of, out of judge. They need more outfielders they can rely on. So Stan's loads can get managed and, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, <laughs> and we'll, we'll go from there, but um, yeah, not really a satisfying series win. And obviously coming out of the all-star break with the sweep was super frustrating. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about Houston and the challenge they face. I don't think we necessarily learned anything new in that game against Houston, except that if the Yankees don't figure out how to hit in Houston, they're going to get bounced again. And you know what? Um, I, I, I can't like the answer he gave on the Chapman stuff. I'm talking about Aaron Boone was extremely frustrating, but I really liked what Boone said after the, the Houston series where he, he said, look, we, we took four out of six from them last year, but it didn't matter. We have to beat them in October. October is what matters. And that is true. If the, if the Yankees had, you know, took take went six and zero against the Astros this year, but then lost in the playoffs, it, it would have meant nothing. The Yankees need to beat them in the postseason. Even if they avoid them and win the World Series, I'll be super happy. But the way these things go, they're probably going to have to go through the Astros to, to get where they want to go. And that's when they're going to have to be ready. And there's there's still a lot of runway before that happens. And the Yankees have a chance to overtake them at the deadline. And, and it got more difficult with the King injury. And it's got more difficult with some of the guys that haven't gotten rolling, like your Josh Donaldson's, like your Joey Gallows, like your Loisigas and, and like your Chapmans, but the Yankees are going to need to make up for that if they want to get by the Astros finally in October. Yeah, and I like like you said that that was a that was a great answer by Boone. And if anything, if this you know doubleheader against Houston, if this season series as a whole against Houston is what it took for you know, and I'm sure Cashman already felt this way that they have to capitalize on a historic season and add at the deadline. But if that gave them any extra motivation to go a little harder at the deadline and be willing to part with another prospect or two to, to get a bigger upgrade. So they feel they are as equipped to take down the Astros as possible. Then, then great. I'll look, I'll look back at that doubleheader sweep and be super happy about it because if that was the wake up call they needed to be, more aggressive and I already believe that they're going to be aggressive but just maybe maybe just a little bit more than than I'm than I'm totally fine with it because again I, I it's it was hard to come away from that doubleheader surprised I mean there was another hard-fought game in game one and then and then you have Herman on the mound and you're like well this is this is done because and they still made it a game in the ninth inning yeah exactly you had the home run by yeah. judge he makes it a, he makes it a game but I, I mean to echo what you said about guys like Chapman and Herman, I feel like I've been at that point for even since before Herman was hurt. So the la- whatever the last time was that he pitched, I I wish that had been the last time, but it wasn't. And then with Chapman, I mean, this has been going on since what, Altuve in 2019, Brasso in 2020, and like it it's been a, it's been a long time that I've been pretty pretty fed up with with watching those two pitch. And like you said, give me Sears, give, give me Marinaccio when he's healthy, just anybody else. But Herman is inspires no confidence in me that he would be able to keep an offense like, um, like the Astros at bay. And it's at a point where you have to actually make a decision regarding Herman. Cause normally he would have no part in this rotation, but you have Severino on the men. So they, they are going to need to fill, fill some starts. So I'm just hoping it's anybody but him. 
Castillo would be nice. Yeah, that'd be a nice, yeah, that'd be a, a nice replacement. John Sterling said that if the Yankees get Castillo or um this was on the radio today, Castillo or Soto, he would personally drive to the airport. And he said not only would he drive them to Yankee Stadium, he'd give them a piggyback ride if they wanted. So I'm hoping they get one of those guys and they demand that because Sterling said it on the air today, which was very good radio. I love John and Susan. Yeah, no, they're great. But hell, if they got both, then I, I'd, I'd join John and I'd piggyback the other one, whatever it took. But yes, absolutely. Give me. Did you see, Um, speaking of Soto, did you see Ken Rosenthal's report? I think it was on Saturday on the um, on the Fox broadcast. He said that what he's heard from multiple teams is that the Nationals are asking for four or five um, big chips in a trade for Juan Soto, meaning four or five players. That's a combination of either established young talent and high level prospects. Mm-hmm. And I heard that and I was like, I would do that. That's fair. <laughs> I, I think that's going to hurt, but it's fair. Like it's, it's got to hurt a little bit, you know, for yeah, a guy like that trading for a superstar who you'd have for three pennant chases in yeah. the next three years, then yeah, it should hurt. But who do you what, think on the Yankees fits that mold? Obviously, there's Volpe. He's kind of close. Maybe they'd go after Dominguez, even though he's low. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have Peraza, too. Um, mm-hmm. You have, I don't know, maybe they but, would want Austin Wells, for like a promising yeah. catching prospect. But the Yankees have some. some but who who on the, that's already established in the major leagues could they want? I don't think they want Torres in that deal. I mean, he's kind of too close to the to the end of his arbitration years. Yeah, not only that, but you could argue that the Nationals might be like, well, if we're getting a Volpe-Peraza combination, then what would we do with Torres anyway if they all play similar positions? So that's a good true, question. True. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe it really is Matt Carpenter for Juan Soto. Yeah. It's one for one. <laughs> oh, that one, that one would hurt more. Yeah. Can't get rid of Carpenter at this point. Going to need him against the Astros. Yeah, I like how even like you're like, oh, he's having a quiet day, and then he, you know, ropes ropes a single through the hole there, winds up scoring a run. But he's the man. He's the Carpenter is the man, and and like that's the thing too. Like there's there's really some negativity now that I think you can't deny. Um, You know, going around, and and we should be focusing on like Carpenter hit another home run the other night. Judge hit two, and then he hit another bomb today. That was a shot, man. Um, you know, yeah, you're right. That's, yeah. that's, this cool. is what we, this is what we should be feeling good about. But when you got, you know, Chapman and Domingo, her mom pooping in the bed, who pooped the bed. <laughs> that's a classic, uh, classic, always sunny, classic, always sunny episode. It's, and it's also, hard. and also the Yankees are, I think Trevino's getting back on track. What was he? Four, four, four today. today? Yeah. He's he's getting back on track. Another big hit by LeMayhew. He's got his OPS poking back over 800 now. Judge is back over 1,000 with his monster stretch since the uh, last two games of the of the Red Sox series. Torres is above 800 again after a multi-hit day. Like the Yankees, man, that, that one through five of LeMayhew, Judge, Rizzo, Torres, Carpenter, and then you throw in Stanton again when he's healthy, that's, that's a – that's a dynamic lineup and Hicks, another multi-hit day. He's got his OPS over 700 now. So he's on, uh, he's on the way back up. I'm I'm on the Hicks train right now. I'm, I'm, I'm locked and loaded on now. I'm buying yeah. Aaron Hicks stock. I, I would too, just as much as I'm, I'm selling Joey Gallo. I mean, I, I just got done writing an article for work yesterday about how this has easily been Joey Gallo's best month of the season. And it has been, he's, 
he had an OPS plus or a WRC plus of 135 heading into Saturday's game after he hit the home run on Friday night. And, you know, then obviously today's over four with two strikeouts. So I was really more writing it under the premise of, Hey, Joey Gallo is having his best, best month might be a great time to, to trade him, you know, yeah, but gonna, I don't know who's going to want him. No, there, there is somebody, there is somebody that will be convinced that he will benefit from a, a change of, of scenery situation and, and take him off the Yankees hands. You're probably not going to get much at all of anything in return. That's fine. But I don't know. Try to try to swing them. Try to swing them to somebody in, in a pirates type deal and get a no name reliever who out of nowhere starts dominating to fill the void of King and, and go from there. But what we should, we should talk about King a little more just because this it's uh, tragic. Means, yeah. This is a huge, huge loss. I mean, and just a couple of really deflating bullpen injuries this season, like Chad green, say what you want about him. He does have his meltdown innings, but He's been one of the most valuable relievers in baseball who's finally getting set up to get paid in his free agent season. And then now, boom, he's done for the year and probably more. Now you have King, who's having a career year. Third in the AL in, in war was, you know, he also had, he also was your best bet to give you multiple innings out of the bullpen and multiple strong innings out of the bullpen to bridge that gap between the, the rotation and clay Holmes, and now he's gone for the season it's just it sucks i mean this is a guy that should, should have been an all-star and he yeah and now he's now he's done for the year that's going to be a huge huge void that the yankees have to fill and what's even more concerning is who could be getting more innings in his place and that then you look at guys like chapman and lois ago yeah i'm i mean it's it's a huge loss you can't understate it i feel terrible for king um and yeah, I mean, look, if you watch like almost every Yankee game like we watch, you appreciate it, Chad Green. I know there's a lot of Yankee fans out here that were like kind of down on, on Green, but you know what he did for the team if you watched every game. You know, he wasn't Clay Holmes-like for his entire tenure, but he gave us a lot of really good moments, a lot of really good outings. But the the King injury is a backbreaker, in my, in my opinion, and and they need to find a way to get up off the map from that in terms of like what they can do with the bullpen. You got a lot of guys there that, you know, can get hot. Like I feel like Litke goes on these runs where he's good. Wandy goes on these runs where he's good. Um, and then, you know, the, the Castro injury really hurt has hurt the bullpen too. Cause he was throwing the ball really well. He's control had improved. He was, he was pitching well. So now, I mean, who do you trust out there really? Like that isn't named clay Holmes, you know, like for a long period, for a long haul, like, I, you know, there's, there's weeks and months where you're like, I'm, I'm feeling good about Wandy entering right now. Or I know, I know Litke is going to help keep this game close. Like, but there's not really that guy. I, 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 th- I know it's like silly, but go out and get David Robertson back. He's, it'd be a nice story. And, you know, you know, he can pitch in New York and you know, he elevates his game. So yeah, well, he's, he's, he's a good link to kind of the, uh, the hope shot or the silver lining in all of this is that, you know, you have recent history to show that the Yankees can make a trade where they change the landscape of their bullpen with one single move. Just look back Mm -hmm. to 2017, you get David Robertson and Tommy Canely in one trade and they both, I mean, the Yankees don't get out of the wild card game without those two guys. And then I think back to 2017, because you're mentioning who would you trust in high leverage spots out of the bullpen right now? 
you know, Wandy and Castro and Licky are solid, but I would not be feeling much sense of calm in a late and close game with them on the mound. It really only be homes at this point, but you think back to 2017, you give me Robertson green, Canely, or even Chapman at that point, because he was pitching so well, you give me any of those four guys in the 2017 postseason when they were on the mound, I was feeling pretty confident that the game was over. So that, the Yankees could make a trade to, to change this whole landscape. That move, you know, the whole time in 2017, we were saying starter, starter, starter. And then they got Sonny Gray and we were like, okay, that's cool. Would rather have Verlander. But the, that move, the move for Canely and Frazier and, and D-Rob was the move that got the Yankees to game seven, the ALCS. If you go back and watch the postseason, it's clear as day. They were, they were great. And, um, you know, you you, you got to kind of hope for lightning to strike twice here. There's other ways to improve the team, but I mean, they have to address the bullpen because you can't, you know, you can't pitch Clay Holmes two innings every night and then find someone random to pitch the seventh. Like it's, it's gotta, it's gotta improve. And uh, you know, you got, look, go get, get D Rob. We got Shane green back in the fold. <laughs> when we would get Jeter to come out of retirement plays last year, <laughs> it's like 2014, again. 2014 squad back together. I got, I got to go look at the baseball reference. I know we saw Shane Green throw like seven shutout innings in Camden Yards, and I want to see if D-Rob pitched in that game too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that the listeners care about our experience at Camden Yards eight years ago. but All right. Um, real quick, what's your uh, Stanton concern level? Now they're talking about that he should be ready to go Tuesday. I personally don't really have much concern. We saw this with Judge last year. We saw it briefly with Judge this year, too. Boone, it takes extra special care of these two because of their injury histories, their size, their makeup. So when they're feeling tightness, it makes sense to just give them a few days off and then help them help them refresh and, and avoid those injuries. So, uh, But what about you? I, I think – Judge and Stanton are similar, but they're also like sort of mirrors of each other. You know, one of them's a high ball hitter. The other is a low ball hitter and just kind of like the way they approach their at-bats. But um, I think Stanton does a great job of making sure he's in the lineup a lot when Judge is out. Like I think Stanton pushes through things more. Judge needed that rest before the all-star break. And now maybe Stanton had pushed himself a lot, played in the all-star game. Now maybe he just needs the rest. That's the, that's the way I'm looking at it. Is it's kind of like just the other end. The, you're kind of paying for Stanton's just paying a little bit for maybe stretching himself a little too thin before the All Star game. He's going to get his rest. We, there's there's nothing physically that's that's we you know we're getting any MRIs for, so we're, we're good. I, I'm I'm okay with it. Get out ahead of it. It's it's 101 degrees outside. Let's not play on dehydrated legs and, and really screw something up here. Agreed. Any anything else you want to touch on about this previous few games before we uh let's we let's ahead? put it behind us and let's get fired up for the subway series, baby. That that's all I gotta say. Yeah, exactly. We got a we got an exciting couple games coming up after a, a day off. And again, make sure you rate review, subscribe if you want to hear us react to that series. It's gonna be a big one, a quick one, but we've got two in flushing. Mets are gonna be welcoming the Yanks on Tuesday and Wednesday night. So those are gonna be exciting ones. Um I mean, just based on the pitching probables, you really hope Montgomery can get the job done in game one because I believe Herman is looming in game two, unless the Yankees make some kind of change. The Mets haven't announced their starter yet, but game one is Montgomery and Taiwan Walker, which is a good pitching matchup. I mean, Walker has been really solid all year for the Mets, 2-5-5 ERA. He was an all-star last year and kind of cemented his all-star case last year when he shut down the Yankees right before, mm-hmm. right before the all-star game. 
or right before voting closed for for the All Star Game. So, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a going to be a fun series. I mean, we know the Mets sometimes have their issues with with generating power and and home runs, but and Montgomery is good at keeping balls in the ballpark. So you hope you hope it could be a, a win for the Yankees in Game One because if it's not, I'd be terrified terrified yeah. of Game Two. I mean, Montgomery, you know, we, we've kind of said he, he finds ways to shut, not shut down, but handle righty lineups. And, you know, you got Alonzo, Lindor's, you know, switch hitter, Kana and Kana, whatever. Mark Kana, yeah, Marte. Yeah. So, you know, this, this, he's going to have some righties to deal with, but he's shown he can do it. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm not looking forward to Wednesday, but that's because of who's pitching. But, I mean, when's the last time we had a Subway Series where both teams were really you know, at, at the top of their division, it's, it's been a minute. So I'm excited to, to see how fired up everybody is about this. I'm, I'm really uh, looking, looking forward to this subway series um, real quick. What's, what's your favorite regular season subway series memory? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, immediately I want to go to the Castillo drop ball. I mean, that was pretty memorable. That was just really funny and <laughs> and exciting at the same time so i think that was a big one um i mean to go to like some more random ones tyler clippard pitching sunday night baseball the yankee was, clippard yep yeah that was that was a great that was a great memory um hmm, what other ones we had we had the debacle the game ending debacle when they lost in in 98 when there was like the walk off on the double play yeah yeah that was that was wild um yeah those i mean those are the first few that pop in my mind and then if you go recently when was it when we had the hicks game tying home run oh uh, that was 2000 that was the 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 no fans year yeah 2020 that that was pretty wild um but everything about that year was just was just weird but what, what about you um I would probably say the um, maybe Mariano getting his first career RBI. That yeah, <laughs> that's a good like one. the the Jeter face where he was like you know yeah that was that was that was, that was a fun a fun little uh, little thing and that was a fun year too. I went out to City Field for the first time. CC pitched great um, and yeah, I I, I think the, the Mariano thing was was pretty cool, um, but. Yeah, and then the the double headers on both stadiums that that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that's that's a good so. point too. Uh, and then of course, I mean, there were there was um, Mariano got his 500th career save against against the Mets. That was the same night as he got the RBI. But oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. I'm counting uh, just the RBI though. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's uh. We didn't. Did we even do? We didn't do a belt prediction for the Orioles series, did we? Just give it a judge, man. The guys hit like a mile worth of home runs. Yeah, no, it should absolutely go to Judge. And then an honorable mention for me goes goes to Nestor because it's huge that he gets back on track like he was yeah. earlier in the season, especially with how Tyone's pitching and and the Severino injury. So big, big ups to uh, to Nestor. So who gets the belt in these two upcoming games? Oof, this is a tough call. Um, shoot, I really don't. I'll, I'll say after after he got some rest, I'll go with Big G. Okay, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Aaron Hicks. Maybe All he'll right. get a maybe he'll get a couple big yeah, hits. He's been that's it. 
He's been playing better. Buying Aaron Hicks stock. So I hope <laughs> you're right. No, he's he's been he's been doing well. But no, this is this is exciting. It's gonna be it's gonna be some some much must watch TV. Like you mentioned, is when is the last time these two teams met in the regular season where they were I'm I mean, I'm trying to think what what would this go back to probably like 2006, 2007 ish, when the Mets were really good. They had the you know, Reyes right in uh, on the left side of the infield. The Yankees were obviously a phenomenal team in 2006. So I guess I would go back to that. I mean, yeah. 2015, the Mets made the World Series, but they didn't really catch fire until the Cespedes trade and the Yankees were rolling earlier in the season. Yeah, I feel like they 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 never caught each other where they were both hot at the right time since yeah. uh, like 06. Because even in 07, the, you know, the Mets lost on the last game of the year, but the Yankees were had that terrible first half. So it didn't have as much juice, if I remember correctly. All right. Well, mo- moving on. And again, if you like what you're hearing, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Let's uh, let's talk about the captain. We haven't gotten to do that yet. Episode two premiered on Thursday night. Uh, chronicled pretty much like 96 through through 98. And we got to relive some of those great moments from that phenomenal team that this Yankee team has drawn comparisons to at some points during the season. But what did you think of um, episode two on the heels of what, what I thought was a fantastic first episode? I loved episode two. I understand if you're a Yankee fan, this episode was not as intriguing. I'll say that. Um, definitely a lot of stuff we've heard before. A couple of good anecdotes is the, the David Wells. I feel like I've heard that David Wells story before. I might be imagining that, but I wasn't like surprised by it. Yeah. The, no, I've, the, I've heard it before, yeah. but the, the, the P Diddy story where, uh, you know, the, with the gun and JLo that, that was an interesting, apparently Derek Jeter has a bedtime, a strict bedtime. Um, just, just Thank like our guy does <laughs> just, just like our dad got to be in bed at a certain time. Can't go to a late game unless he takes off of work the next day finding out if he's listening by saying this. Um, and, and yeah, like that, that was an interesting piece, but it really was like, uh, let's combine the 96 and 98 world series videos, uh, put in some awesome soundtracks when they went through the 98 video with the who playing in the background and they went into the brawl. That was, that was for me, just cloud nine. I, I had a grin ear to ear. I rewatched it like five times. Uh, I rewatched the, ep- the whole episode itself twice already. Um, I thought it was, it was great as a Yankee fan to, to relive that. And just, it, it makes you appreciate how, how freaking good we had it. The 96 world series. I, it was, I mean, I'm smiling. You can see, I'm just, I'm giddy right now talking about it, but I'm, I'm sure you loved it too, but probably feel like, like, I feel like it was a very pro Yankee episode and, and maybe a, a Met fan or Red Sox fan, or just a non-baseball fan that kind of just wanted to learn about Derek, uh, probably did not get as much out of this episode. Yeah, no, exactly. Like you said, when Bob O'Reilly kicks on and we start going through 98, that was so much fun just to to relive all all that stuff. But I also would totally understand how, you know, fans who don't have an emotional attachment to those teams would kind of be wanting more on the Derek-centric side who are tuning in to think they're going to get more about Jeter. But, you know, it's still necessary to illustrate just how good those teams were that that Jeter was on that's that's a huge part of his story and they definitely did a good job I mean part of me feels like that's almost what's like an obligatory montage like you gotta kind of show how great that team was and and um 
and just how loaded they were. But it was, you know, it was fun that they threw in, you know, they highlighted the brawl and kind of threw in Daryl's route <laughs> to Benitez and, um, you know, having like the screen pause and highlight him and show how he like snuck around the crowd. That was, that was really cool and really entertaining. Like you mentioned, the P Diddy stuff was certainly an eye opener and a reminder of how, how difficult it is to kind of stay out of the tabloids in, in New York city. And then you had some, some other more dramatic stuff that I thought was, was really, really good. That made me excited for what's to come. I mean, they highlighted the arbitration battle, which I thought was, was really interesting and Jeter being pretty open about the fact that that's when his kind of distrust in in the front office and and Cashman kind of began and it's pretty fascinating to think that that's how far back it it went I mean you're talking before the 99 season and I kind of I kind of like how especially for like big Jeter fans like us it kind of knowingly foreshadows how they were highlighting you know, the Yankees argument being that Jeter didn't hit enough home runs. And we know he's going into a season where he's going to hit a career high in home runs and basically put up an MVP type season in 99. So it was cool to, uh, to think about that. And then you had the start of like the Jeter A-Rod stuff, which I thought was really interesting. We had the, I think that was a really um, revealing interview. I can't remember his name. I feel bad, but he's a writer at Baseball America saying how, yeah. A-Rod said he wasn't going to do any more stories with Jeter because it seemed like it was always Jeter towering over A-Rod. And then it's just the most Jeter response when he's like talking about the two being compared to each other and Jeter's being like, well, I just looked at who won more. Um, Because it's silly to say anything else that like, obviously A-Rod was more talented than Jeter. Same could be said about Nomar, but I think it's, I think what made Jeter him is that he didn't care about that because he was winning. So his, his mindset was always, well, my ultimate goal is to win championships, and I'm doing that more than these guys, so why do I care if A-Rod hits more home runs than me or Nomar hits more home runs than me? Now, A-Rod denied ever saying that. Yes. Do you, do you believe A-Rod? No. I don't either. Just after the, <laughs> after the Mike Francesa A-Rod in-person interview, where A-Rod <laughs> crashed the studio. I just can't. can't uh, Mike Francesa has a great vest, sweater vest on in that. <laughs> I think it's a zip up. Nice purple shirt too. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't believe him either. I, 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 I thought I found that stuff intriguing. I'm, I'm excited to kind of see if they get into the uh, more of the front office drama. It seems like they will. And we know they're going to touch on some of the A-Rod stuff. Um, yeah. And, but, and yeah. just to, just to clarify, I, I say with fair amount of confidence, that I don't think A-Rod was being truthful there, but it's also totally fine if that's how he felt at the time. If he, you know, if he's one of the best shortstop in the league, shortstops in the league, and he's like, hey, like, maybe from now on, I shouldn't do stories with Jeter because it just kind of becomes about how this other shortstop who's like my close friend is being painted as like a better winner than me. Like, of course, that can get awkward. So I don't I don't think any blame should be put on him for that. Obviously, if he was already kind of starting to feel that jealousy or inferiority creep in, then the, um, you know, as infamous Esquire interview wasn't the way to handle it. But at that time, I don't have any problem with that. I just don't think he was telling the truth. Yeah. I don't think he was either. And I think, I think that the thing about a rod is that it's just, it, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it or how you go about it. He didn't even need to say anything to that reporter. He didn't need to put that out there. He could have just made the choice, you know, from now on, I'm just doing an interview solo and, and like, and that's fine. And he wasn't wrong in what he said. He was right. He was a better a, a better statistical player than Derek Jeter. He was a better statistical player throughout his career than any, any of his contemporaries. And, you know, that that's just the truth. Jeter was a better winner, though. 
And that's what Jeter cared about. So, you know, it is what it is. And that's what most people look at. They look at who wins, right? They, they, you know, you look at Mike Trout, like the, the dude is insane, but he, he hasn't won. It's not his fault, but you know, he's, he's not as big of a star as he could be because he's not on a team that's in our living rooms every single October. And Derek Jeter was in every single person's living room that cared about baseball the entire month of October for, you know, from what, 96, all the way up until 2007. And he took one year off and then was there again till 2012. So yeah, it is what it is. And I'm super excited for episode three. I want to see what happens when he comes back and then you know, he gets a 10 year deal. Eventually I'm, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. And, and just to wrap a bow on that, Jeter always talked about how he prioritized winning, but I also think he did always has done a good job of talking about how fortunate he was to have the team around him that he did. Cause you know, Credit to A-Rod. He said it too. He's like, hey, I, I was around some great Mariners teams with some awesome players on that. We just didn't win. And Jeter was blessed to be a good player on a really good team that always got it done in October. So like you said, looking forward to episode three. I think we got episodes three and four actually this coming Thursday night. I'm not positive, but a we will. header. I think so. But we will certainly be reacting to that and, and the Mets series. So we'll see everybody when we return. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. And we'll talk soon. Let's go Yanks. Take that subway series.